Shalom and thanks for joining us. You're listening to the Elect Life Podcast Edition with Liz McGee. We hope you enjoy the journey as Liz takes you through her mystical insights from ancient Jewish writings. You'll find more info on the website at theelectlife.org. So go check it out and make sure you have oil in your lamp for the coming of Mashiach. And now your host, Liz McGee. Blessings. Welcome to this episode of Prophecy for the Last Hour. My name is Liz McGee, and I have a lot of understanding, wisdom and understanding, I believe, to impart. So I study, you know, a lot of the mystical texts, a lot of the esoteric writings, along with the Torah, do a lot of reading, but I don't do it just for head knowledge or to, you know, act all big and bad that I've read all these extra biblical books. It's so that I can know Elohim, so that I can understand our true faith. Uh, grow closer, grow holier. I mean, there's a real personal uh, quest in all this. But it has worked. It has happened. I do feel like I've had a lot of breakthroughs in my personal life and in my spirituality and how I relate to Hashem, uh, how I perceive. And it is so, I would never trade where I am today for anything in the world uh, because I feel so my soul is enlarged. It's one of the things David says. Uh, I feel like I have such a deeper, broader understanding, which has helped me. One of the things, and I kind of laugh, uh, and like I've always said, I say a lot, that it really irritates me because a lot of this understanding that is in our Torah is in being repackaged and sold back to people in, or given back to people by teachers as, um, you know, New Age and the Eastern religions and, oh, they're so spiritual and us Westerners were so, you know, um, impoverished in our understanding, which to a certain extent is true. But, all right, let me get to this. So Feng Shui is a, Feng Shui, if you ever heard of it, is a Eastern kind of understanding, and like home decorating, but it's much deeper than that. See, that's what the profane would say, but it's, it's an understanding. So what I want to say really quick is that I have really come into an, a higher level of consciousness and understanding, intention, and purposeful living where I am really in every, trying to connect in everything I do, thought, word, and deed, to Hashem and to his, his, to him, to, you know, and, oh, I don't want to hear you know, some of these words, to the, to my Heavenly Father's spirit, all right, who we, we know is spirit, right, he's not Malachi, but he is, Yahweh is spirit, okay, so we're, but the thing is, is, like, strange way is that there's always a connectedness. I really understood this this thing called the law of correspondences, or I would actually say it better, the law of correspondences. So you have to th- think of it like from the highest heavens, from where Yahweh sits on his throne, all the way down to the little sluggard ant on the ground, be that if it's us, whatever, parabolically. There's a channel, there's a flow, there's a connectedness. And um, while it might be all tangled up, like it might be broken, it might um, be very dirty, whatever, there is still an, a connectedness that, you know, I told you, you can't break, all right? You can't, no one can take your soul out of Yahweh's purveyance or his providence except you yourself, all right, by your own free will. But my point is... <laughs> It's so powerful. This is part of the power that is inherent. That is all all the way back to Enoch. It's in the Torah. This is what Moshe was establishing for the people. A way to live 
in, in your body, in your soul, and in your spirit, in a sense of correspondingness with the heavens. So everything is a straight conduit. So the power, the blessing, the emanation, whatever, just comes straight through. Now, one of the, um, there's a wonderful Kabbalistic prayer meditation that I love to listen to. It really ministers to my soul. And there's a couple of good videos on YouTube. You should check it out called Anna Bakosh. Anna Bakosh is a Kabbalistic prayer that has recently been put to music and it's beautiful. It's like, you know, the amazing grace. It's greater than the amazing grace of, you know, the Christian world per se. It's very lyrical. But there's a part in there where it says, you know, we beg you, Hashem, you know, untangle are not. This is a kind of, you know, we are knotted up. Whether it's an emotion, you know, whether you have a burning resentment that you just cannot get past, it's a, it's a knot, it's a tangle of emotions, or whatever it is, you have a, 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 a physical besetting sin that you do that just, you know, even if it's addicted to coke, whatever, you know, these are things that are a little, um, that your intention is not as purposeful. Other things are coming into play here. So, what we need to do, the whole concept of spirituality, the whole concept of is to is to learn how to straighten everything out. And in all of our different, and I'm going to get into this now, it's a different levels of our soul and different ways to come into alignment and harmony, to come into peace, to make the crooked places straight so that this river can just flow, you know, and bless everything along with. These are some of the concepts. So it really has um, things like that I have really worked at my appetites. I finally, you know, this is a big thing for aesthetic, mystical people. This is a big understanding. You need to have control of your appetites, food. You need to have control, you know, of your emotions. You need to, to a certain extent, the composite, you need to become stoic, which means, in another way of saying is you need to become so balanced this is that even if somebody praises you, you don't let it go to your head. Even if somebody... Um, uh, speaks negatively about you or, you know, in, in, with evil intent or whatever, you don't take it personally. There's a place that you can get to where it's just, whatever, Hashem's in control. I mean, whatever, vengeance is mine, is Lord, where you can have a perfect peace and a balance. So these, so these are things, so I, for one thing, I would want to just tell people, my own personal testimony, oh my gosh, I just feel so enlarged, I guess, my soul, my faith has grown. I feel very close to Hashem. I understand. So this is the concept of getting wisdom and getting understanding. But it, it cracked me up when I read this thing about Feng Shui and so much in the temple. I mean, seriously, they're doing this concept where they're making a complete correspondence. This is not intellectual. I guess my point is there's nothing intellectual about this. There's nothing arbitrary. The rabbis didn't sit around or sit like, oh, how can we make a neat little kind of service for the people and keep them interested in us? No, this is so divinely legislated, divinely revealed, divinely from the top down, trying to get us into correspondence with heaven. Oh my gosh. All right. So a couple of ideas I'm going to go through quick where these are some of the pitfalls. One, there's a very famous story, I don't know if you're familiar with, in, in this whole idea of mysticism, um, called when you go into, well, pards, when you learn pards, or you go into the orchard. A lot of times in Kabbalistic writings, they, they call the orchard, they call that the, that is the whole spiritual, the garden, all right? The whole spiritual world that Yahweh created, uh, that we interact with is really the garden, okay? Uh, 
And we, uh, let me see this. There are pitfalls. There, so now that we're not like center in the garden, other things can influence us because obviously we, there's a lot of pitfalls along the way. So these are some of them I want to go through. One thing that's being corrected today, if you're really, you know, following, is that the, the idea that, 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 like John, okay, so they're always trying to, in the scholarly world of all these texts, they're trying to parse it and figure it out. And to me, unless you have deep faith and you really are listening to the rule, you'll never put it together. It, it's a Ruach job to get people to be able to navigate through all of the different mental and constructs that are out there, all right? This is what it means when the Ruach will lead you into all truth, will lead you through many of these landmines, is what it is. Okay, so for many centuries, really, scholars believe that John, the writer of the Gospels, borrowed his concepts of the Logos, because John, like I said, is the Essene, he's the mystic in the group of the, um, the four Gospels, that, that he, he got his ideas from the Greeks, and that the gospel was written by a Greek convert and from a Greek point of view. Now, much Gentile Christianity is absolutely Greek philosophy repackaged with, with, with sort of kind of some Torah veneer on it, really. But ultimately, originally, it's absolutely clear this is the point, and this is what is being proven scholarly by the Dead Sea Scrolls. This is why it's so important for you to study the Dead Sea Scrolls, is because it's being proven right now that the Dead Sea Scrolls, that body of literature is pre-early uh, church Greek philosophy, and it lines up 100% with the mystical Zoharic writings that have been kept through the House of Judah. Okay, so that can't be an accident. Our true, the true route that you can get into it, get, it is through the Essenes, the Zadokites, through that, um, you know, getting through that Hasmonean period, getting back to a remnant, our prophets, and then getting back through Moshe and getting back through Enoch. And there is a line. There is a straight path. I believe this, okay? Um, but that's one of the things that has to go by the wayside, all right? We have to come back, and this is what we our Hebrew roots. The Greeks have a lot of information. In my opinion, this is the whole point. They, the, And this is why the Western mindset, they, they lost so much of their soul of Torah, the, the mystical understanding, because... Um, to the Greek, it's just all intellectual, but not to the Hebrew, all right? It's very real. I mean, this is what I'm saying. These spiritual worlds are very, very real, all right? So another one is, and this is where our Torah, because it addresses these kind of people. Paul addresses the Greeks. I mean, he addresses these worldviews, these kind of things, all right? Atheists in, in, or, or profaners or people who just won't believe in Elohim, even though it's, it's, it's apparent that there's a, a creator out there. I mean, seriously. Um, so atheists destroy and pollute the deity, the, the, the spark, or what do you want, the, the God, and I don't want, you know, these people, the, our spiritual essence, our ultimate connect, because we were known before the foundations of the world. So in order to have, there has to be something in us, some kind of honing device or something, right? So that is called the Logos, um, they destroy this, this image of Elohim. It's the image of Elohim that we're made in, all right? So profaners, atheists, rebels, wicked people, evil people, people who just will not bow the knee, this kind of thing. They, um, this is a true nature of a large part of the core population. This is, and all of us fall into this category at some point over some kind of sins. 
these people though they have failed to make themselves an acceptable vessel for the for the divine marriage when it happens to enter into them with the indwelling logos. So in other words, if you are not like if you don't go to the if you don't get dressed and go to the wedding and if you're not an invited guest and you're not there and you're not receiving, you know, you missed it. Okay, this is part of the um, in the parable of those he went out in the street and asked people to come and they said they were busy and then he went and said, well, we'll get anybody and bring them in. I mean, this is this is part of it. So there is a lot in the Torah and this is why the law of correspondence is important because it leads to my next pitfall, which is a big one, <laughs> which is that Christians, the in evangelicals and and this is the part of, if you can follow me, this is the part of Christianity that the Jews, the Kabbalists, the, the tapped in Torah sages understand, and they call us, they call it Edom. All right, they call us by the time of Edom. It's because Christians maintain today that they are saved by faith totally apart from any actions or works. All right, that is a very distorted doctrine. It's not Hebraic, and what is really being let me put this. The, the, the reason for doing the action or the work is so that you can get, like I said before, connected to the divine spiritual energy and you can be part of a straight conduit of flow. Okay? That's the reason. All right? Um, and as a man thinketh, so is he. So there, because there's a disconnect, oh, Christians think they're saved by grace and they can live any way they want. Well, that, I'm sorry, but that is a lie. That is truly a lie. And that's why, you know, it says in that day, lawless ones will come before and say, hey, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we do great miracles? And he'll say, away from me, you lawless ones, all right? You non-Torah-keeping people, you just didn't get it. And actually, this is something that's in our spirit. This is what the the part of the good consciousness is, this is not rocket science. Most people really can't figure out um, you need to be good, you need to be holy, you need to be moral, all right? And do try the best they can. But if we Christians, if the Christian would, would go back to Torah and get the understanding of the connection between actions and works accurately and correctly, hmm, powerhouse we could be unbelievable it is coming back it is so so we need to repent of this sin really and truly this is part of it my people you know are destroyed for lack of knowledge okay a last one on a positive note okay so uh to recap you know we have atheists you have people who will just destroy and pollute themselves and anything tour related you have uh the concept really, which is just is another foil by Hasatan to, to trick your mind into not believing the text, you know, thinking that all of this is really Greek philosophy when it's not. And we can prove this academically with the Dead Sea Scrolls when you read deeply and broadly and get the big picture from the, you, uh, you see that very clearly. Okay. And that Christians, that there is no connection. All right between because where I'm going with all this the, this kind of connection is because lately I've been really understanding okay why would the Jews you know this is one of the things rabbis just said the prophecy ceased okay um at the time of Ezra and why would they say that I mean it's like I I think about that I'm like what where'd they get that from what, what had did they pull that out of okay 
There's a very good reason. And I'm beginning to understand because Christians what will say just say, oh well, Paul says that there's a spirit of prophecy today and there's prophets and this kind of stuff. So what but it's level, see? And this is only you said biblical prophets like an Isaiah or this level of prophetic attainment, this level of consciousness has by and large very rarely exhibit itself on the world stage. I mean, we had Yeshua, obviously, right? Yeshua. And there's a whole, and, and I can see these elevated souls, and I'm going to get into that, all right? But Elijah the prophet says, because there's, so I've been trying to figure out what are they talking about, all right? Because I've learned because there's many different levels, just because you assume you know what level they're talking about it on, don't assume you do. Because <laughs> I, oh, way, they're way beyond me. They're way beyond the gift of prophecy that I could get by inspiration of the Holy Spirit down here as a Christian. And the level that Isaiah is on where he has trained his mind and he is literally in the holy place at the meeting. Okay? <laughs> For a sustained period of time to get a clear, coherent you know, prophecy foretelling the future plus the context Plus the ramifications, plus, I mean, it's amazing. All right, so what I've learned is that what they're really doing, these are levels of consciousness, that the Torah really is talking to us. Everything about it is, is what we need people just really, because I think this fits with what people are doing today with all this new age information, how you can train your mind, how you can do things. You know, you can manifest things through the mind. I mean, this is real, people. So this is, and this is tapping into, quote unquote, what they call the universe. But to the Jewish mind, to the true Hebrew mind, to the true firstborn son of Elohim, what we know and always understand and we're, is that there's always something higher, that the most high Yahweh is above the universe. Okay. Now, so Elijah the prophet, there are a couple of characters, or like we're going to say personification souls, so to speak, that are talked about over and over in the in the literature. You know, Metatron, Enoch, Elijah, and and you know these Moshe even. Um, and so it says that when a person, there's a very famous quote by Elijah, because Elijah was a prophet. He had a school of prophets. Elijah is very much in a stream, tradition stream of like the level of Elijah will be. He will come and he will, not he, you know, not his spirit, his. His level, his soul level, root understanding, you can follow him on it. Now, there's many levels of this, and I don't want to go into it, because I know how people like to trap people in their words. But the point is, Elijah is a disseminator of truth. He, in his tradition, he is down, he is very accessible to us to explain to us prophetic meanings, understandings, all right? He is, um, but you have, Enoch was the same way. we Unfortunately, you know, for a couple, 2,000 years, we lost the Enoch component to this thing. That's what's coming back to us. All right, that's one of the major things. But Elijah says that he calls heaven and earth to bear witness that any person, Jew or Gentile, man or woman, freeman or slave, if his deeds are worthy, um, then Ruach HaKadosh will descend upon him. All right? So he is saying that people can attain a level of Ruach HaKadosh, and like I said, this will relate why Paul could say, you know, I can get a word of prophecy or a word of knowledge. Or you have perfect, um, if his deeds are worthy. See, there is this connection. And this is what I want because I guess the point is these prophets truly understood the spiritual dimensions 
And if you are out there in levels of consciousness, uh, you don't want to get hijacked. You know, like, let me put it this way. The, let's put it this way. Magicians, Balaam, when he was being called to curse the children of Israel, to literally get a pack going with heavenly powers that, you know, they would do everything in their power to destroy Israel. And um, Balaam was like, well, I can't. There's nothing strong enough that I know of really to go against these people. Um, we'll have to try another tack. You know, we'll have to get into sin or do something else. So there was, but it is living in this level of Ruach HaKadosh, and that was always the goal that Yahweh wanted his people, his visible nation, these united 12 tribes who were priests and kings, so to speak, to operate on. And unfortunately, we know the history, it's <laughs> whatever, but we are going to have a resurrection. It's all going to turn out okay. So before I go into what now I'm beginning to understand is going on with the prophets, where they are, what the experience is like, what is the discipline, and let me just give you a quick review of how this is so embedded in the text. This is so uh, biblical, okay, and we just need better teaching, in my opinion. Okay, so, you know, this verse says, a man thinketh, so is he. You know, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. For out of the heart come the issues of life. Um, I meditate upon your Torah day and night. There's all these admonitions in the text where the prophets or David or whoever say, you know, I, I'm constantly in your presence. I try to live, you know, every thought, word, and deed, uh, my body, soul, and spirit. Um, there's so many different ways living in your presence, okay? That's trying to keep your whole persona. This is what I said. Sometimes I feel like I got this whole tree of life above my head. It's so funny. It's big deer antlers. I don't know. It's really, but if you understand the tree of life, we're not alone down here. I mean, I feel so connected. Um, all right. Anyways, th there is, all right, one of the thing, and I have some teachers that always kind of intrigue me. What does gold and silver and copper, there's constant usages of certain metals in relation to things. And these go usually in like wisdom and uh, uh, wisdom and understanding. Hakama and Vida is a lot of times referred to, code language is gold and silver. And then there's copper. Well, what they're doing, but see, this is the thing. Gold and silver. Okay, so gold will remain shiny the longest. They have different properties. Silver will tarnish in time. It needs to be cleaned up. And this is some, we know this. This is their concept of chasing of the Lord. And copper is the cheapest, the most common. They, okay, so, but plasma is the best. All right, if you were to go out and conductors, of electricity and basically this is the point where I would say connectedness everything in the physical is telling you that there is a in the world above it another spiritual level above it and there's many where that same principle that same archetype is being played out that's why once you establish these architects wherever world you go you can kind of plug in the correct theological construct so one of the see, and this is what the ancients, because the other thing that I've totally come, huh, these ancients are brilliant. Their minds are so much more developed. They're healthier, stronger. They live longer in their quote unquote Renaissance times. All right. Because every culture you go through, this is where you have a winter and you have a summer. I mean, that's so cultures rise and cultures fall. Nature, nations rise and nations fall. And there's tons of reasons for that. But the point is, um, in their heydays, even 
um, one of the Gracies, even the, the Kabbalistic Jews, the Jews, for a couple hundred years in Spain and southern, you know, the Iberian, they had such a renaissance of intellectual, some people don't really understand, intellectual power. They fueled the renaissance. They, many centuries, they fueled on uh, Western civilization in ways that, you know, it will come out, but they totally don't get the credit for it today. And then they were finally kicked out of Spain. It's a very sad story. But anyways, um, what I wanted to say here is that this relates to, because they're always talking about things called earth, air, wind, and fire, which is the force. I've been through this, and I'm just going to touch, throw, these, throw this out here really quick. So that there are, everybody's saying the same thing, basically. All right? Just got to learn their words. You have the four states of matter. Today, we would call it solid, liquid, gas, and plasma, all right? It's taking a long time to figure out what plasma is, all right? Um, you've got earth, air, wind, and fire. You know, you've got matter. Um, but the point, these are all conductors, ultimately, of light. And even light, which you have to understand, light in other dimensions is very ethereal, but light in our world of physicality there's many levels, okay, of its transmission. So when the sun comes out and it's transmitting light to us and it goes everywhere and permeates everything that has, you know, um, access to it. So the archetypes always hold up, but they have, so, so when you understand these fours, okay, so because like I was trying to say, there's always... They group things very logically in subsets. That's why you have fives that go together, sevens, twelves. You know, you got fours. Fours are big because fours connect to the five. There's five levels of the soul, but there's four of them that basically we can connect to. And this is what they're telling us. And these are all exhibited in ultimately in one of levels of consciousness. consciousness. So if you're a brute beast you're going to act a certain kind of way. I mean, it's like, look, okay, you act like an animal. You're not thinking before you act. You're just voracious in your appetites or, you know, whatever. Okay. I mean, it's not an accident or arbitrary. It's actually a very helpful, I think it's a great analogy. You know, when people act like brute beasts, according to their carnal nature. Okay. You've got, um, which would be living on the earth level, the carnal plane. Okay. So these things all progressive. Then you have a Ruach and I've been through this. Um, and the nephish, see these things, everything in the universe has nephish, okay, which is, it's animating life, light, because light and life are really the same thing, depending on what kind of, you know, Yeshua is life, he is life, of, the life of men, but he's also the light of the world, so both of these is because he operates in all of the dimensions at all of the time, Mashiach, this concept of Mashiach, yod he vav he, all the way up and down, uh, the, the level of energy that operates in the physical is called nephish, which is other cultures is called cha, uh, chi or prana, and it exists in all living souls. Even minerals have a certain amount of prana, which is energy, which it, it, and it, it either puts them at rest, they look on, but so you have, it's all relating. So your levels of this kingdom, um, plant, no, mineral, vegetable, animal, and it would be Adamic. The next would be Adamic. Uh, they all relate, and they're all levels of consciousness. So someone who acts like a Bruce Beast versus someone who acts very 
enlightened, you know, like, you know, so you got somebody who's a group beast, you got somebody like a Mother Teresa who can see the world and love the world and minister to the world and give her life for the world, okay? Those are totally different souls, okay? And it's their choice, you know, kind of where they're operating. It's our choice at what level. So that's what it's talking about, going up and down. Um, so you have Nefesh, you have Ruach, you have Neshima. So you have the Nefesh, which is the prana or chi and this is the point the lower level the demonic energies the other that feeds on our prana if this is the whole i don't want to give into this is the whole point of either demonic possession or demonic oppression or giving into bad needos you know character traits as the jews would say where the negative side the other side that the can can feed off of your energy. Instead of like you and the Ruach feeding, you know, it's a nice symbolic relationship, you know, you're, it's, all, it's, it's off of, um, you know, negative demonic energy. So this is a very important level to understand. And this is where our fight basically is, okay? And then, so you, then you go to Ruach, which is air or wind. So we went from, we would be going from earth to air. Then we go to breath, Neshima wind which is the highest level this is a level of the sadiqs this is a level um we can get our ruach and we get our neshama reconnected through yeshua hamashiach if you are a um you know a messianic or a uh you know an e returning ephraimite a washik whatever all right we're getting reconnected yeshua is our door to get back into these worlds of ruach and neshama and ultimately haya which is the fourth world is a world where these are soul levels, because like I've said before, I said, it's all about the soul. See, that's what I mean. The physical body doesn't profit. It's not about our body. It's our minds, all right? It's our souls. It's the programs that are going on inside of us, really, that you can't see. Haya is a level. This is where the Holy, like, this is Moshi. This is Enoch. This is Elijah. This is Yeshua. These are, these are the mountains, okay? Abraham. These are people who live... It's such a level, and they accomplish things. Yahweh is so, so that they make covenants with Yahweh. I mean, think about it really and truly. These aren't, and this is what I want to say about the prophets. These are not normal people. These are people who have so trained themselves and are so, this is a part of the perception that we need to clear up, all right? Because a lot of people want to run around and think they're a prophet. A lot of people, if you want to be a biblical prophet, there are set in stone standards, okay? You can't make them up again. Holiness and learning how to how to control uh, and train your mind, your spirit, your your emotions, your body, all this stuff. I mean, all right, this is one hundred percent clear in the Hebraic tradition. Okay, now I got a little muddied in the Christian, but we got to clean up our act. Okay, so then you have Yahira. Above that is what is called this level of Adam Cademan. This is the king, the world of the Mashiach. This is the king. This is the king who is above all the other kingdoms. Okay, so when yod Hey vav Hey, the middle pillar, on top of Yod is this little uh, point. All right, Keter. And that is this level of Yichara. When that little point is what Yeshua calls the stone, which the builders rejected. That's, that is the, the most primordial point of Elohim, internally in everything and out there okay and it is that soul level root is 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 a mashiach so that's why there is and this is why there's this is why the deepness of the dead sea scrolls understanding 
and the Zohar. This is why reincarnation is a very, it, and I is proven, again, it's one of these things that, that has scholarly been redacted, I guess. Is that what they do? They go back and they examine, no, there's another word for it, I can't remember, and examine, and you can now pretty much definitively say the early church, the Essenes, and the Dead Sea Scrolls, and Zoharic writings, even the Pharisees, all believe in reincarnation. And that's, I haven't started to teach on that yet, I will get to it, but it, it's so important and it's beautiful. Actually, I'm totally at peace with it. I have no problem, okay? And I get it. And it's so full of Elohim's justice, and it's so, it's so, when you really understand it, it it's very humbling. It really makes you want to be very close to Elohim. And okay, now, we've got corrections we have to make. <laughs> what are they? So I don't have to, it's a very personal walk that you have. Um, but I absolutely believe in it. Okay, but that's, I'm not going to go there this time. So understand, but I do want to say how this is so true and embedded. Okay, I've been talking about the four worlds. Okay. This is why in the Torah, and I'm just beginning now finally to get into this understanding, oh my gosh, of the sages, the Kabbalists, the, 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 the Taurus, of what they're doing with the letters. See, letter, Hebrew, those letters are the letters of creation. They're like the DNA bits that have gone out in different combinations and created everything on his winds on his light emanations, on his, his conductors. So this is why I would say the very beginning, a, 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 a level of consciousness that is called gold, which is called hokmah, which is called the highest level of understanding, all right, um, you can't attain, but you, you know, there's a rigorous, it's like climbing Mount Everest a little bit, all right? But let me put it this way. Every letter in the Torah, every letter, is as it reads from the Torah scroll is composed of four elements. See, most people understand when you put the Torah together, we know it was written without vowels, without any punctuation. I think it was written without the punctuation too. And um, it's all a stream of consciousness. Because what they, this is the part of the scribal art, the scribal tradition and the scribal discipline where every letter in the Torah is composed of four elements. And relates to the four worlds. It'll tell you tons of information about where this is in the four worlds. The cancellation mark, or in other words, the trope, is associated with the letter. This is if there is one. So there's what's called a cancellation mark. There's a vowel associated with the letter, if there is one. And this is this is part, this is what Ezra and these scribes, and this is what that when they wrote, wrote the Septuagint, I mean, it blows my mind that they could memorize the Torah at this level of encryption. I'm like, oh my gosh, you have no idea. Okay, then there's a vowel associated with the letter, then there's a crown atop the letter, all right? This is what I was referring to, Keter. There is a little point, Kindlish put atop of it, which represents Keter, and then there's the letter itself. So there are four worlds, four levels of understanding of consciousness embedded in every Torah letter, and then you put them together, and then there's so many, oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm just going fast and touching on a bunch of stuff. There's three major, and see it all, they all relate to each other. There's three major control centers in our body. This is not new age people. This is our Torah, okay? You have the body, okay? And in the body, there is, there's three programs, the brain, the heart, and the liver. 
okay and they're attached to levels of soul and this is what science is beginning to understand now they're beginning to know that the heart thinks it's intelligent the liver is the most intelligent organ in the body and if you have a bad liver of everybody's got you know fatty liver I mean all these things see this is where the, the connectedness is if your body let's say your liver gets a level of impurity in it it affects everything in the body level conversely if your heart let's say if a root of bitterness grows up in your heart it's going to spoil the whole thing is what it's saying and conversely your brain if it which is the control center um and it's it's akin to the level of neshima so let me go through this again you got your your brain your heart and your liver which is all in the tree of life it's all coded in there these these prophets know exactly where they are and what they're dealing with. And so the liver is at the nephish level, controls the purity of the blood. Remember, nephish is lifeblood. The life of the flesh, the flesh is nephish, is in the blood. So there's nothing that's absolutely biblical. Um, depends, controls the blood. Uh, the heart controls the aspect of the soul level of a ruach, and that is our emotional level. And it's interesting because um, out of that level, so this is, and this is the most compromised level in us, truly. This is the level that's, <laughs> Hasatan has a field day. I mean, right? He gets us to feel guilty or, or to get, you know, mad. I mean, he just gets us in an emotional imbalance, emotional state, an emotional, huh, do you hide it? Well, I won't date this video. It's okay. All right. So you have the Ruach akin to our emotions, akin to the, to the world of Yetzirah, okay? So the first world I was talking about was the world of Asiyah. Nefesh operates in the world of Asiyah, soul, uh, connected to uh, heart, connected to Zeron Pin, connected to our emotional, and there's many levels of it, is uh, controlled by the Ruach. And then you have the brain, which is the nesh connected to our neshama, and if the brain is where if you get up to the level of having hokma and bina, wisdom and understanding, you have finally entered <laughs> uh, into a realm, you know, of the firstborn, and this is the holy throne, and you're finally, you know, home. You're, this is where you originated from, and now um, you're home. So this is, it's in there. See, like I said, the Torah has four, every letter of the Torah has four elements to it. Here, it's equated into the Bible, into the body. And it's it's an accurate, it's a real. So what I'm trying to tell you, this is real information that's really good for you to apply. Then, um, there again, the five soul levels, which again, I have many teachings, but Nefesh, Ruach, Neshama, Chaya, and Yechida. Okay? So, I just said all that. Now, one of my points is, uh, and just about plasma, fire. See, this is an interesting, and there's so much I could say, and this video is not about that, but when, like, fire fell on them and Pentecost, what it represents. See, fire, the true spiritual fire, uh, we don't see. It's plasma. And <laughs> there's fascinating science going on right now that the whole universe, all space is really made up of plasma. And you can heat plasma or you can have cold plasma. Again, different states of being and what is going to... But 
Oh, um, when you see electricity, like it, he saw, when he should, I saw Satan fall as lightning from heaven. That Satan is in a level, his understanding, level of understanding is pretty high up there. He once was in the garden of Elohim, all right? But he fell in the sense of he was, he's been totally demoted. While he has that mental understanding still to a certain extent, that's why he can mimic and he, you have to be very careful. Um, he can mimic a lot of spiritual experience because he understands this, manipulate the mind. There's also, this is where you get into magic and sorcery, all this stuff, okay? But the point is um, that level uh, of, well, I forgot where I was going to go with that one. Okay. Plasma, the fire. This is um, this is a very key, it's used on many levels, but one level fire is used, it says, um, be addicted to the work of the state. In other words, Yahweh does not like lukewarmness. You can't serve him, you know, half in the world, half out. I mean, he doesn't want you to be, you are zealous. Phineas was zealous for Elohim. And his name went forward as a memorial for all time. Some of these people, that's why it says their name was a memorial, because they were so full of faith and believing and seeing when, when that woman anointed Yeshua's feet, feet represent the world of physicality, um, the world of of real life and he was just going to go into his time of suffering and sure to anoint his his soul level his body so that he you know it's almost like it's it's a it's a ritual act to connect him high up with it so that he can endure and go through it so he she was just anointing him with such levels of spiritual understanding again mind over matter that even though his torment and his suffering he never lost focus. He did not lose sight of his mission. It was always before him. Hope was always before him. We were the joy. We were what he was doing. This He would look and see us and be able to endure the torments of the cross and stuff. And so she was anointing his feet. And again, it makes me want to cry the picture where she is, you know, and saying, and, and just trying to draw all that strength from the father. It's really representative of the mother and the father on Yeshua for this ordeal he's going through. I mean, these people were very purposeful and intentional. And I wish this is a part of it that we would recover and stop calling everything. Oh, it's new age. Oh, it sounds good. You know, grow up people. <laughs> it is so incredibly powerful and beautiful to live, to get control of your different levels of usual, to live in these realms, to elevate your consciousness. Okay. Now, one thing that this is all led me to is an understanding so if anybody wants to call themselves a prophet, oh my gosh, you know, it, I can understand why they would say, you know, kind of teachers, yes, and probably will be judged more harshly because it's nothing to fool around with, okay? These are not offices that you fool around with, all right? And they carry, now, let me say this, all right, so the level of prophecy that ceased, and this is all tied up with the things with the temple. This is all tied in like with the red heifer. This is all tied up with levels of purification. So much of these scenes now, I understand, uh, you know, even their mikvah, everything that they did, they were totally living in a, an alignment and harmony with heavens in a peaceful, non-combative, non-disobedient, just beautiful and loving way, Okay. One of the things, they're mikvahs. They, you know, when they found Qumran, they found all these ritual baths. You know, in a lot of ways, I totally get it now. Because even I'm at the level where, and I'm going to say that, but every time I take a shower, I am mikvah. I totally 
go in purposely and I really connect. I feel like, oh my gosh, I am being cleansed. The washing of water. See, there is a connectedness. This is, this is why the Jews put a mezuzah over their door with the name, with Yav Hei Vav Hei, because there is a connection. The energies are attracted to their like. Like attracts like. So that had, that's attracting literally positive light, positive energy, the presence of, which is really nothing more than his angels. Okay, so as we surround ourselves uh, with actions that we know are food, you know, something, is why I get it, you can elevate food to such a level that it's a meditation, that it, it, it's an experience, it is a holy, it is a, oh, it's incredible. So this is something that personally I would like to be able to be part of the process of recovering, that people can understand um, the intentionality of ritual, what's really going on, connect to it, and that we can access greater levels of spiritual power. All right. Now, if we understand that the main power of a prophet is his ability to channel spiritual energy. Now, this is the, this is the true prophet of Elohim with his the ele most elevated soul. Let's say these ones from Chaya, like Moshe and Elijah and, you know, obviously Yeshua, who was really actually higher, Mashiach, this is the whole point. Um, his root soul does come from a higher level. I believe this. Okay. Um, but this is Moshe. Was it such a when, you know, part with the Red Sea where he was able, you know, Yahweh said, look at, you know what to do. Speak to the elements. See, this is something, you know, a lot of Christianity is recovering this in the name and in claiming in the faith movement. They really have latched onto this truth, but it's really true. When you operate from such a level of consciousness where you literally are tapped into the Father in a very real way and, you know, face to face, I mean, your prayers get answered. You are, it, it's so, the connectedness is so strong. Um, this is why Elijah, they did such great miracles. And the Essenes were able to do this. They were known as healers and therapeutics throughout the whole ancient world. There is so much that again, we could recover if we could understand and, and have peace with this concept of how the heavens and the earth work in complete harmony with each other. One fills the other, turns around the other fill. Oh my gosh. Okay. So anyways, what I want to say is a prophet, his main power is ability to channel spiritual energy. And this is the story of them. All right. The reason is obvious through their prayers or their words or their speaking or their People like Abraham, Moshe, Yeshua, Elijah were able to channel such spiritual energy and it was therefore likely that their prayers would be answered. So this way Yeshua could speak. This is what Moshe did. Speak to the elements. You're just talking to winds and airs and, you know, low energies in, in the lower realms. I mean, that should not be hard to get to that level. Well, let me say Hard. Not that many people can get to that level, all right? But I can. I understand uh, what's going on, that in the hierarchy of things, an Adamic man is certainly better than, than a mineral and can... <laughs> oh, my gosh. Anyways. Uh, these are levels. See, so what is happening is that the, the prophet and all prophets are at different levels, and they are able, their soul, they're able to... Their soul is leaving their body and literally ascending to spiritual worlds and up the middle pillar. Now, a Hebrew prophet is totally strictly in the zone of yod heh the middle pillar, the tree of life, 
the Mashiach, and they're up and down. And they, when you go, these prophets would literally be going up into the level of actually Gavira, in where the throne of Elohim is, where he is in the Holy Academy. I mean, these things are real. You know, I doubt they're not wearing literal, you know, earthly made of linen seed seeds, but they are, oh, I don't know how to say this. The correspondences are there, okay? But the true prophet, because he's able to channel the spiritual prophet, he is able to clearly focus it enough to obtain an unambiguous message or vision and retain it and channel back its power. So like I said, these people can go to the throne, listen, literally listen in on. They're one of the, the meaning of the word sued, which if I believe is secret, comes down to basically a concept in the Torah. Do your own research. It's there. It is, they're not, it's not just a secret, but they're in the secret meeting. This is the secret council. Not everybody gets up there. A lot of people get up, you know, you can hear from demon, you can hear their plans, or you can hear lower angels' plans. You can get, get information. But these prophets, and I trust them 100%. This is what I do trust the prophets of Israel. Okay, because the way I was, because to me, the way they put this together, they retained it, the way they encoded it, came for it, it's, it's miraculous. It's got divine all over it. How anybody, nobody could do this, survive it, and keep these records and do this in a natural way. It's just, my opinion, not possible. So the ability to focus spiritual energy, all right? When I say spiritual energy, yes, like say energy you need would harness to be able to you know, affect the laws of physics, a miracle, but also channel, you know, your mind, your thoughts. And like I said, you're so focused, you are in, and it's like a radio. I mean, the whole point is, you know, the Wi-Fi band or, you know, you're able to find the signal, your brain, you're able to, to pick up that wavelength, literally. You're able to retain it clear of static. You yourselves, and this is why our prophets, I wish people would understand us, especially evangelical Christians. This was always one of the, you know, there's Bible stories about it. The true prophets, I think, these were holy men and women of Elohim. All right, there's no, I can't stress that enough. So in, in, the Luciferian magic, their way is it works kind of the total opposite. This is what you find out when you, they profane things. They, 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 oh my gosh, it's, it's lewd, crude, and disgusting. They, 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 oh, they take all the holiness and they, to attract negative, demonic energies, okay? We want to attract holy, spiritual, our Heavenly Father's energies, okay? This ability to, to focus this spiritual energy, so I'm saying it's on a mental level, it's on a, a soul level, it's in your body level, it's you got to have control of the whole person. The spirit of the process is subject to the prophets, is what they're saying. These people, and they don't just, Yahweh just doesn't come and pull you out. You know, usually these people, because their lifestyle, they're holy people, they're always listening to Elohim, they're always in discussion with Elohim, they're always living in alignment and harmony, basically. And, um, you know, this is what makes the story—you know—the story of Jonah so funny. You know, and the and he wants thinks he can leave, uh, whatever. Okay, that just popped in my brain. Sorry. Okay, the ability to focus the spiritual energy is attested to great discipline and many years of intensive training. This is why 
And this has to do with another idea of, of when you enter pars, when you enter the garden, when you enter the deep mystical sowed level understanding, they have this, there's a story that kind of developed where four men, four great rabbi minds, went into pars or into the highest level. They, they finally arrived at the highest levels of understanding. And the story isn't the same for everybody, all of them. Um, one of them goes crazy, one of them becomes a heretic, one of them dies, and one of them is okay, goes out, go, Rabbi Akiva goes in peace and leaves in peace, okay? So this is why, you know, you are playing with quote-unquote fire, <laughs> and purity, and these things are so important, all right? But I'm beginning to understand that story and understand um, you know, why somebody would become a heretic, like I said, because of the text, because if you can't really be led through this whole minefield of the mind, it's one of the major traps, Satan has all sorts of mental traps people can get into out there, if you can't, if you don't really have a close relationship with the Ruach, Shekinah, our Heavenly Mother, who is leading us through this wilderness, oh my gosh, okay. So in other words, when I say you don't wake up one day and you're a prophet, you, it takes years and years of concerted training mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, and mentally. Seriously. Okay? And this makes me feel much better. If I'm going to trust Isaiah, I'm glad the guy gave it his all. I'm glad these people, this is the point. These are why these are holy siddiqs and they live above, and, you know, they're worthy of deep reverence and honor. We don't worship them, but, you know, these are not... <laughs> And when people come through their tikkun, their, their life, their, and doing their rectification successfully, oh my gosh, the power in that. The word that the Bible used to describe the process of seeking pro prophecy is hit naive. It, it comes after this word kind of hitobet. It, it's a sense of the verb to prophesy. This literally means that the individual is prophesying, trying to obtain a clear message while in a mystical state. Now, what's coming out, which is really interesting, or to me anyway, is this world of meditation, what it is, how the prophets attained it, different like the Ruach HaKadosh or, um, oh, um, oh gosh, this gets really deep. So there are whole books on there, and I'm beginning to understand and understand. Now, there's two ways. I've, I've read two kind of paths, okay? And I think they're both valid, and I think you just have to walk with Elohim. So I'm not... The, pro, the, rabbi, the sages will tell you that, you know, by clean living, holy living, by studying deeply in Torah, making it your number one priority, this is the point, okay? Digging up the field, all right? Getting deeper than on the surface, getting those gems out. You, know, you can attain Ruach HaKadosh or this level of prophecy. But then the flip side is, there's just as strong a tradition that, that holy men and women of Elohim have entered these um, states through states of consciousness where they have consciously navigated their minds into levels of, like, trying to tune into that signal. Okay, I think both are valid, and I actually think both of them are part of the same package. Okay, so... Uh, so this is what I believe. And I believe that this level of prophecy, you have to get down to the soul level. You have to get into the mysteries of the spiritual realms, um, you know, get all that to what they call the level of absolute. This level, in order to be able to um, operate at this level and to be a spokesman for Elohim, because Elohim is in the most high. 
you know, yes, he inhabits all the lower realms, I mean, but, but when he, I mean, he's over the whole earth. So his decrees, his, I mean, is coming from the top, all right? And you just don't waltz in there. And Yahweh doesn't, okay? So there are five, here's another um, little snippet here of this kind of understanding, because I would like to, um, and I'm just going to give a quick list here, again, how they code these things into fours and fives and what they're saying, but like Ram, um, Rabbi Chaim Vital, some of these Kabbalists, but they're, this is part of the tradition of what they have been imparting. And part of it is super, it's, it's been very secret because a lot of it is there has been a level of protection. This is because Yahweh, because the Jews have had this understanding of this level of connection to the Most High, they really have kept it to a large extent, you know, in their breast, in, in very close to their heart, very close to the cord. And so you got to get really close to the center, uh, to the fire, to really find this level. So that's when the disciples, you know, on the day of Pentecost, those that were there, 120, you think the whole nation was there? No, there was a select group of people alive at the planet who this was it. They were going for it, hook, line, and sinker. They were going to be in the right place at the right time to receive um, this, you know, the power. And, and, you that they, and they believed it was going to come down through this ascended, um, through Yeshua, uh, as he ascended. Now, there's five types of attainment they talk about. And see, we have to understand, there's Ruach HaKadosh, which is, you know, the highest level of the mind of Elohim, all right? Then there are souls of Sadakim. This is just another way of saying what I just said. The righteous souls that, that reach a level of Ruach and Neshama, and then those that are in this world of Haya, okay? There are angels, which are called Megidim, Magedinum, I think, okay, because these are things that you'll encounter as you read and in the different traditions and what they're just sort of, because this is what happened to, this is what Isaiah and a lot of the prophecies, they had angels come and kind of take them, escort them through these different levels of consciousness. Now, I believe these places are real and populated. It's just that us in our present earthly state, we can't go there in our physical bodies. I don't believe a couple of people like Enoch were assumed bodily. There's, but for the most part, we're out of way to the resurrection. I mean, okay. But and then so angels do come to people and and bring them up to these levels of consciousness. All right. Then Elijah, like I was saying in the beginning, Elijah Hanavi, Elijah the prophet who started a school for the prophets, which is really, in my opinion, where the Essenes, the Zadokites, this is sort of the stream. This is the path that they have been following, and they morph into. All right. Uh, who, who, through the literature, through reading Torah, through this, you can attain Ruach HaKadosh, all right? Because when you read Torah, when you do Kabbalistic studies, when you meditate upon his word, this is the point, it's meditate, think that you're, you're thinking deeply. And in your deep thinking, in your cognitive, the Ruach will come to you and help you. Uh, many times it's happened to me, I've been thinking about something, well, that doesn't jive with that. Because a lot of this is taking the different contradictions or what seems obscure and, and trying to think deeply and get and trying to unravel it. And, and so many times I will for the Ruach will, and it's like an opinion, it's like, I get it. I see it. I, I see the relationship. I see um, I'm not thinking deep enough. I don't have it. You know, and you can get to the different levels. They're not contradictions. It's so interesting. But um, so this is part of what um, the tradition with Elijah, dreams is another one. I mean, I've had prophetic dreams, which a lot of people have. You get a dream and it's totally, uh, and, and even in the, in the, 
mystical rites, there is a whole concept of our souls and where our soul goes when we sleep and what is going on. I mean, there's so much information and it all makes sense and it all fits and it is all being proven, in my opinion today, by science, by the secularists, being repackaged to us. But you know what? I'll, you can't kick Yahweh off his throne. He is going to win in the end. And all truth is going to come back and he's going to get the glory for Because this information is in a lot of the mystical cultural traditions of the world. They just don't acknowledge the high God, Yahweh. They have other gods, all right, which is really other arch rulers or on the on the hierarchical, and that's those are whole teachings and stuff that I have touched on. Supernatural powers, you know, and this is why can be found in great Talmudic sages. I mean, this has always been people who can elevate their their living and their mental and they mentally live at these levels will exhibit great holiness and great power and may this fall on seriously you know a second pentecost where we really receive the fire of elohim and we can go out and quote unquote burn up all this chat you know these lies and these distortions and those profanities and we can help usher in truth uh once and for all and with our mashiach we will throw our cloaks down and we will throw our crowns in and we will like usher oh i can't wait you know the king the king the king so anyways i hope that blessed you uh i will be back we will have more recordings so shalom in yeshua hamashiach blessed day. we hope you enjoyed today's message maybe you have some questions or would like to share your thoughts Liz would love to chat with you about it, so head on over to the website, theelectlife.org. That's one word, theelectlife.org. Or if you prefer, you can leave your comments on the Liz Bigger YouTube channel. And if you're over on YouTube, don't forget to subscribe and hit the bell so you won't miss out on anything new. Tune in next week as Liz brings out more on the mysteries that matter and more food for the soul. Thanks for tuning in. Shalom.